You are listening to Everywhere You Are, a podcast produced by the Dawson Women's Ministry. At Dawson, we recognize that women's ministry is not a class or a club you join. Ministry is not confined to the four walls of a church building, and it's not limited to life stages or circumstances. Rather, ministry is living a life of service everywhere you are. This podcast seeks to encourage listeners wherever they find themselves. We believe God calls each of us to be ministers at all times in all places. Welcome to Everywhere You Are. When you hear the word lament, what image comes to mind? Is it King David tearing his robe at the news of his son Absalom's bloody rebellion? Or Job lying in the dirt covered in sores? Or Jesus crying out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Lament can be defined as grief of sorrow expressed in complaints or cries, weeping, torment, furious rage. As Christians, we can take heart that we serve a God who does not shy away from lament. In fact, God warns us that in this world you will have troubles. So what's a Christian to do when faced with suffering? An entire book of the Bible is given to the practice of lament. In Lamentations, we hear from the prophet Jeremiah as he mourns the fall of Jerusalem. In chapter 3, he cries out, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In this episode, we hear from Hannah Gibson and Cindy Gamble, who, when faced with trials, chose to practice the spiritual discipline of lament. During times of sorrow, both women turned to God to meet their needs. Like Jeremiah, Hannah and Cindy remind us in today's episode that God is ever faithful, even in our darkest hours. I'm Rachel Langston here with Becca Jenkins, and we're ready for the next episode of Everywhere You Are. We are so excited to be here today with the wonderful Cindy Gamble and Hannah Gibson. And we are going to be specifically talking about the spiritual discipline of lament. But before we jump into all the nitty gritty, let's just start general and we'll just start with our, our typical question. Where are you today? And we'll start with Cindy. Well, I am today a 75-year-old wife and mother and grandmother. I have been married to my wonderful husband, George, for 53 years. We were blessed with two children and two wonderful in-law children and five grandchildren. George and I both grew up at Dawson. And we met here. We were both baptized here. We were married here. We raised our children here. Oh, wow. So Dawson is a very huge part of our life. I knew Hannah since she was a baby. I knew her mom when she was a little girl. So we've been around quite a long while. That's where I am today. Our children live very close to us. So I get to see them often. They just, I'll hear a little knock on the door and one of them will have ridden their bikes by. Oh, that's so nice. So it really, it really is 
very nice. I um, sing in the sanctuary choir here at church and the Dawson Airs. I figured since I was in the first choir that ever started here at Dawson, I would be being the oldest now. So I sing in the Dawson Airs wow. too. Work at Kids Connection and we do a soup kitchen ministry also that George and I do at the firehouse ministry. Okay. I love to read. That is my biggest hobby and where I spend most of my time. Ooh, it's always dangerous to say that. We can talk about that whole episode. I don't watch TV. I read. And so I'm a member of a book club, which has forced me to read things I would never have normally picked up. I love that. You know, um, which is great. And I, we love to travel. And that's where I am today. So how close are you and George in age? Did y'all, were y'all like in the same Sunday school class? You know, that's so funny because we were, but I do not remember him until, actually my family moved away during my high school years and moved back. And so we were together from sixth grade, from six years old until 14. Okay. I don't remember one thing about George. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if he's happy about that. (laughs) Yes, he is. That's because I was a creepy boy we actually met when, when my family moved back to Birmingham he walked up behind me in church one day and saw me and didn't recognize who I was until I was sitting by a friend of his in Sunday school and he went and got my number from her and called me and that's how we started oh, that's how we started and so how old were y'all at that point um 20 20 okay yeah. so but we uh, we you know we I went to school with we all know the same we know the same people because I yeah. graduated I'm six months I six weeks older than he is and he okay. doesn't let me forget that. Um, but, <laughs> You're um, wiser. Yeah, that's, that's right. But we have a lot of the same friends, you know, that we went to school with. He went to Shays Cobb, I went to Edgewood, but we have a lot okay. of the same friends and so it is fun being able to, to talk to him about people we both knew in school and all. So. Yes. And where did y'all go to college? I went to school in Buffalo, New York okay. um, when my family was up there. He went okay. to Sanford okay. um, and then on to Rollins when he was in the Navy and then he got his doctorate at Florida okay. and then we moved back here but um, I went to school up there and then came down here because I was only I'd only finished two years and so I was going to go to UAB okay. but I started working and then I thought well I, w- I had majored in dental hygiene and they did not have that program here and so I was going to have to go to Tennessee but in the meantime I met him mm-hmm. and I did not want to go away so I just stayed here went to UAB for a while and then just worked yeah all right, Hannah, jump in. Um, I'm Hannah. I am a junior religion major at Sanford. I am the daughter of Daryl and Brooke Gibson. They are amazing, and I'm so thankful for them. Um, I've grown up here at Dawson. I have a brother and a sister, Shay and Farah. I'm also an aunt, which is so much fun. I am currently a beta intern here at Dawson with the women's ministry, which has been a great opportunity to get experience in the church and in ministry. In the future, I hope to pursue a job in Christian counseling or chaplaincy. I enjoy being outdoors, spending time with my friends and family, reading, knitting, and watching movies. I didn't know you knit. Yeah. Okay. What do do you knit? Um, I really just do it while I'm watching TV because it helps me pay attention to what I'm doing. So I really just knit like... Blankets, but I've made some socks. Oh, I'm oh my learning how to make a hat. So yeah. Okay. I need to commission you to Well, and being an aunt probably helps. It does. You don't yes. have to make something for a big person. You can make something for <laughs> a little Yeah. Yes. The first thing like when I gave like Shane Morgan for the baby shower was a blanket that I knit for Weston. Oh. Um, which is what like they brought him home in, which was cute. I can do like that kind of stuff and then I'm like starting to learn how to do things when I have free time. So Okay. That's yeah. right. So, 
spiritual disciplines. When somebody says that to you, what kind of pops into your brain? The first thing I think of is fasting. I don't know why I think of that spiritual. Because <laughs> it takes the most discipline. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, but of course, prayer and, and worship and meditation and things like that. But to me, when somebody says that, I always think, I think of fasting for some reason. Um, it is like a more unique one. I feel like it's kind of set apart a little bit. I feel like I didn't really understand or, or know what is what a spiritual discipline was until I was grown. And I mean, I grew up in the church, and it's not like we didn't talk about prayer and fasting, and but nobody ever labeled them as a spiritual discipline. It was just like part of who you were as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I really thought about it much until I was older either. When I actually started seeing like books on them, Blake and I have a book called Have of grace that we recommend to college so students good. a lot that so I was looking at it last night yeah. in preparation for this and there is no lament chapter no, <laughs> so, no there's not I look we studied a book Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster yeah. which is an older book and it's not listed yeah. you know as one of the spiritual disciplines but but it goes along with lots of other ones you for know. sure yes Hannah what comes to your mind when you think of it I think of just like areas in your spiritual life that we get to be a part of and partake in that allow us to grow closer to God. I feel like each one allows us to grow in our faith and know God in a sweeter and better way than before. Has anything in your classes so far addressed this? Yeah. Like from an academic standpoint? Yeah, from an academic standpoint, I've taken three classes within the past year that either are solely on lament or like a large portion, portion of them were on lament. Last semester, I was in Defiant Faith, which looked at a biblical like standpoint of suffering so like walking through the Bible and seeing like here are examples of suffering and what was the biblical response and how can we apply that to our lives today with that first class you mentioned where you're like looking at biblical examples of lament and like a a good response is there a particular Bible story that y'all talked about that really stuck out to you or like meant a lot to you I think the book of Job was very I mean because I've read Job but like looking at it from an academic standpoint and just having somebody who's like wrote their dissertation on the book of Job speak that into you was very interesting. He talked about like Job can reflect our anxieties that like we want to cling on to everything. And so we know Job to be this really righteous man, which he is, but also that like we can all be super righteous and just cling on to everything and make sacrifices and pray and ask for forgiveness for like the tiniest things because you want everything to just stay so perfect. Which I think really reconciled with me of like there's a point where I was just like holding on to everything because I wanted everything to be perfect in this little bow and it's not like that so I think the book of Job was just really eye-opening for me like you can do everything right but you are going to suffer and we know that and that was just at that point in time when I learned about that was just a really good but also the Israelites like continuously we talked about the Israelites and they get such a bad rap okay and I'm over here doing X, Y, and Z so I can't say anything so I think examining like the Israelites and how we are so much like them and how our responses are very similar and so yeah the Israelites and Job I can remember reading about the disciples and thinking, why? How did they not get it? Right, he was standing right there. Yeah, and I'm sure God probably looks at me and goes, "How can you not get it?" You know. So before we go too much further, y'all both have very specific kind of different stories of lament. So, in a nutshell, maybe tell us a little bit about your story 
and how lament and suffering has been part of your walk. Cindy, you want to jump in there? I guess when I think of lament now, I think of the journey we went through with our daughter who passed away with ovarian cancer when she was 43 years old. Of course, when she was diagnosed, we all couldn't believe it. I mean, this was a wonderful, vibrant Christian lady that led Bible studies and taught Sunday school and sang in the choir. And why, why was this happening to her? You know, it was really hard to cry out to God and say, well, we don't understand this. You know, why, why are you letting this happen to her? And I can remember specifically my mother saying, you know what? She would pray every day that God would take her instead of Jenny. That's That was her prayer. And she said, does he not realize she has two little children she has to take care of? I mean, she really, of, course, of course, God knew that. But I think that was when I think of the men, I think about that time and still that time with her gone that really brought the lament part of our spiritual life into focus more. And how long was her Almost battle? six years. Yeah. Almost six years. Yeah. They had told her probably five and so she felt like she had she was a warrior. She was a fighter. So she got almost six. So her children were two and five when she was diagnosed and they are 13 and will be 16 in two days. So yeah, that was a really hard time because we did question you know, I mean, we, we know because of our faith and our trust in God that he had a plan and that it was a perfect plan. But why did why did this have to be his plan? Right. You know, right. Why, why did this have to, to take place to be in his perfect plan? Well, unlike Job, you know, you, you feel like and I, I know Jenny and and uh, you think, well, she's doing all the right things. She's right. doing, you know, what you're supposed to do. And it still happens. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. so I'm a very private person. And so I don't share my feelings like she, but she was able to through through her Caring Bridge website touch a lot of people's lives, and she would cry out to God, and she would say, "I'm, you know, why can't I do this?" And I'm angry about this, and she was not afraid to express her feelings, and and her story touched so many people because of that. Absolutely, <laughs> Hannah, tell us about your story. For me, this whole past year has really just been a season of in and out, almost constant limit of just things changing all the time. In January of my sophomore year, my long-term boyfriend and I broke up just out of nowhere. And I really struggled with that during that season. And that like is what started the ball of everything slowly falling apart. But the big thing was when I came out of that relationship, I realized that I wasn't living the life that God had called me to live. I had this ideal plan of I'm going to be a teacher and I'm going to do this. And this is what my life looks like. And him coming out of my life really opened my eyes to this is not the life I'm supposed to be living. I'm not supposed to be a teacher. I had a call to ministry that I had ignored most of my life because I was like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. And so I was like, no, no, I don't even know what that would look like. There's no way this is what you're calling me to do. And being a teacher is just simple. Not simple. Being a teacher is not simple. But like you have that plan of, oh, this is what my life is going to look like. And I loved that because I love having a plan and image of what my life is going to look like. And so to say, okay, I'm going to go into ministry and not know what that looks like was terrifying. And so I did it. And I was like, okay, here I am. And I don't know what that looks like. And so as I started to get ideas, that was like, okay, here we go. I'm starting to make progress. And then as soon as I started to get on solid ground, I found out my school was shutting down. And it was like, oh my gosh, you just pulled the rug out from under me again. And that was 
really frustrating because my best friends I was going to have to leave. I was going to have to leave professors that had poured into me. I wasn't going to get to play the sport that I loved anymore. I wasn't going to have to leave my second home. Judson was the sweetest and happiest place. And I was like, where where am I going? What am I doing? And I didn't want to come back home. And here I am. So that's fun. But I remember all the doors shut everywhere but Stanford. And I was like, how is this where I'm coming back to? And was not excited about that. But just really having just this anxiety and frustration with God of why are all of these things changing on me all of a sudden? Why can't I find solid ground? And then this summer, I went to Alaska. And I loved Alaska. It was a sweet time, but it was also a very hard time. I think my call to ministry really was solidified during my time in Alaska because I saw the dark and the scary, which is what I want to do with my life. But that doesn't make it any easier, um, especially like the first time. I mean, I've never, never seen the devil work like that in my life. Just seeing like the dark. I mean, there are days where I would just feel like I was in hell and it was awful. I will never unsee the things that I've seen. I won't unexperience those and I will carry those burdens with me the rest of my life. But I also have never seen God work like that in my life. I think there is that return of, yes, I saw the immense darkness, but I saw his bright light shine in that darkness and just that reminding of it never is dark. He's always there, even if it feels like he's not. To just see him walk with me through that darkness was amazing. I wouldn't change that. And it was such a beautiful season because I think there is such beauty in the dark when you find it. And getting to see Kit, like him show up for the kids that were walking through the darkness that I can't, as a 20-year-old at that point, I couldn't do by myself. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine being in middle school and going through that. And so to see them see God show up was just amazing because they hadn't experienced that. And then coming back from Alaska, I was exhausted at this point just from the semester before and then Alaska. And I was like, okay, here we am. Here I am. I am at the place that God has called me to be. This is going to be awesome. Let's go. Like, so excited. And then it was awful. I had a hard time adjusting. I think part of it was I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to be at Sanford. I wanted to be at Judson. I wanted to be doing all the things that I knew I should be doing at Judson. Um, I wanted to be with my best friends that were now all over the U.S. And to see her and I both really struggle with finding community, making friends and feeling like, okay, where I am now is home was hard. Like having long FaceTime phone calls and you're like sobbing both on the phone because you're like, this is miserable. I have no community and just knowing like all of our friends are FaceTimes away and not a hug away and not a room away was really hard. And just when you try to make friends and then it's just like, Oh, hey, like, you know, and you just can't like, it's hard and transferring is hard. And so I would just really lament all the time. And it was like, why did you call me here? Why did you make this the only door open? Like, this is where I thought I was supposed to be. Is it not? Why did you get rid of Jetson? That was home to so many and knowing that I'm not the only one experiencing this slowly, I would say like in my prayer time, it's like, I know that you're this, I know that you're that, I know that you called me here, but I feel this way. And why do I feel this way? And just being able to pray exactly how I felt and be able to have the open and honest communication with God was huge, which is something that I've learned in class of and tell God how I'm feeling. And 
he will answer and to see that play out in my life of slowly it was okay you have a friend and now you have another friend that you're now not eating lunch alone anymore y'all have lunch every day and it was like okay that's great and then it was like okay here's one other friend and so to see that slowly happen and to now be in the spring semester and be like okay I have 10 plus friends like that was something that last semester I would have done anything for and it was like and now I have it and to see God slowly provide the friendships provide the connections that I needed and craved was a really sweet and awesome thing so so when y'all think about practicing lament I mean you know if it's prayer you can say well I have a daily prayer time or if it's worship there's a weekly what does practicing lament look like or is it more that you look back and say these are the periods of lament that drew me closer to the Lord I think for me I see my life in seasons so I see like seasons of lament whereas like I would say like this whole past year has been a long season of lament but I definitely had like breaks within that lament but I think for me lamenting looks a lot like prayer for me it's having those conversations with God I would often read a psalm and then write my prayer out but I also have a journal just of prayers of lament that I write in all the time like in that prayer it is I affirm like I know who God is like here are the characteristics that I know that you are because that's what I need to know in that moment but then pray how I need him to be that in my life and I will talk about how I'm feeling through that prayer and say but I know this is who you are so can you please show up in this way and let me see that I know that you're right and that is who you are and then I also have music that I listen to like I have a whole playlist that's just encouraging songs that show me and remind me of who God is and that was what I listened to for a really long time was just that playlist so and music and music speaks to me also um, in fact Kristen Torres gave me two I play them in my car <laughs> uh, just wonderful encouraging songs when we were going through Jenny's um, journey and they meant so much to me just the words of those songs would just mm-hmm. encourage me and, and then a friend gave me a devotional book that I still use every morning so I, I think it's an ongoing it's an ongoing thing you know have you seen Lament show up like with your grandchildren they were all very aware of this battle right and um, as their faith has grown well I'll tell you what happened with Bella this, the, um, our granddaughter who is the one that's 13 now um, this, I think it was the summer after Jenny died in May a little girl came to um, Kid Life who had just lost her mother and they asked Jenny uh, Bella if they would talk if she would talk to her and Danielle said you know we'll go in there with you and she said oh no you don't need to do that and I don't know what Jenny said I mean what Bella said to her but she that um, she just talked to the little girl a very long time and you know I mean that was the way God used Bella and I'm sure um, Bella just went on a mission trip with another church um, this past year there were some things that went on there that helped her grow and in her faith were there resources outside of just people you knew that were helpful during your seasons of lament I would expect yours maybe continues yeah, um, mm-hmm. or comes and goes more. It does. Uh, when I see the children doing something, I think, oh, I wish Jenny was here to see them do that. So it, it is continual. Whereas yours is more of a, you maybe think you're coming out of, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. 
Hopefully, yeah. It feels like I'm, I feel like I'm slowly like just getting out of it, which I think is helpful. But I think also knowing like this isn't it. Like it isn't just this one time thing. But also not living like this anticipation of oh, when's it going to come again? Like that kind of thing is very important. I think. But knowing like yes, I did walk through that brutal season, and yes, I feel like I'm finally reaching an area of rest. But I know it can come again. And because I think it took me a long time to learn like what does lament look like for me? Because I think it's different for every person. So finding this is what worked and now knowing, okay, so the next time maybe it's not going to be as much as a mess at the beginning. Like I'm not going to get so deep down in this pit. But I think just knowing, because I think growing up, I never thought, oh, I can tell God how I really feel. Like that was something that was never really talked about. Like being able to say, God, I'm mad at you. And God, I don't know what you're doing. Like, why are you doing this? Like, I didn't think I had the authority to say that. Obviously, like praise comes with that. And like, it is in a respectful way because when we are talking to God, like there is a respect that comes with it. I think of talking to like, my parents, I wouldn't just go up to my mom and be like, I'm mad at you. Like, I wouldn't say that in that direct of a way, but just being able to say, here is truly how I'm feeling. That wasn't something I knew to do. And then my journal Psalm book was super helpful. And then this past semester, I read Rejoicing and Lament, which is also a really, it's a great book. A professor at, I think Midwestern is the author of it. Oh, he's diagnosed with cancer. So it's like his cancer story and walking through how he lamented through that. Do y'all always lament in solitude or is it sometimes like a communal practice? Both for me. Both you know, because I have friends that will pray with me and, you know, listen to me. But but I prefer the solitude. I do. Yeah. I do. And another thing I wanted to, to mention um, was at this season in my life, being 75, we are losing friends. And that's a whole nother season of the men mm-hmm. for us to go through friends that we've had since we were children. So that's been a hard thing, too. It's a little more understandable. You don't cry out to God why like you do when someone's younger. Um, but it's still a Absolutely. sadness that you have to work through. Do you recognize lament more easily than maybe you would have earlier in your life? Oh, I think so. Oh, I, def- I definitely think so. As, as opposed to, this is probably the first big, right. you know. Yeah, and I would say, I think I like... I distinctly think of like the three things this year. So like that first one was like, okay, here's how I'm figuring out how to lament. And then as Alaska started, it was like, okay, like I'm entering a season of darkness and a season of lament for these people that I'm pouring into and here's how it looks. And so I kind of had that familiarity of, okay, here it's coming. And then I think as I got here, it was like, okay, we're continuing and I know what I'm doing. Like, so I think I recognize it as like, I start to feel like I know when I'm feeling woman, like lamenty. <laughs> like I know when I've entered into that. You made lament, a new I did, yeah. <laughs> when I enter into that lament season, I feel those feelings. And even if it's not just like a season of lament, I can tell when I need to confess how I'm feeling to God. Something I think I got really convicted in my classes was like, it's so easy for me to go to my friend and say, this is going on in my life and I'm frustrated about it. Whereas I should take that to God first. I've become aware of when I need to have those conversations with God and when I feel sad and I want to lament what's going on or even when something really awesome happens and I'm super happy and excited. I should thank God for it first instead of texting my parents or, you know, (laughs) he should be the first person. And so working on that and knowing that that's what should happen 
obviously lament is not fun for anyone. What makes lament challenging to you? Does it come easily when you, when you know you need to lament, do you lament or is it like, do you find something to do to prevent yourself from having to do that? I think at first for me, I would push it away because I didn't, I hate feeling feelings. I hate feeling negative emotions. I don't enjoy it. I don't think anyone does, but I just, I hate it. So I do everything to push it off. Were you consciously doing that? You think? I put it off a really long time. of just saying like, I don't want to feel that. I don't want to feel that. And so then when I finally started to do it, it was like, this is brutal. But also now that I'm here, I wouldn't change it. I, I got to experience God in a way that I've never before. And I think there's such beauty and sweetness in just knowing like he really and truly is with me in every moment. And I think when you need him the most, he does show up. And to get to experience that was something really sweet. I experienced him in ways that I never would have imagined. And even in Alaska, seeing him show up, I wouldn't change that. And so now when I start to feel it, it feels easier because I'm going to get to see and really feel God's presence that I don't always feel when everything's perfect and happy, not perfect, but happy and easy and flowing. I don't always feel God's presence, but in this lament and in suffering, I feel his presence all the time. There is beauty in that. And so I think sometimes I crave like, oh, I want to feel your attention. Like I feel it now. And so I think as I'm coming out of this lament season, trying to figure out what that's going to look like in these times of just peace, how am I going to really feel that is going to be interesting because I have loved just having that constant comfort that I've prayed for. Can you think of anything positive that has come out of your seasons of lament? I think because of of us experiencing this, we have been able to talk with others who have been going through some of the same, you know, not even you don't ever go through exactly the same thing, but other struggles. Right. And I think God has used us in that way. Um, he certainly used Jenny. And, and I think there was another lady in our church who lost a daughter and she reached out and I was able to communicate with her and been used in that way. But one of the things I have a quote in my kitchen by Corey Timboom, every experience God gives us, every person he puts in our lives is the perfect preparation for the future that only he can see. That was a quote that I saw a long time ago. And I think every time I go through one of these seasons, I look at that and I think, you know, he's using this for some reason. We may not know why. We may not ever know why, but there's a reason for it. And he knows best and his plan is perfect. I loved what you said, Hannah, about Job. And one of the things about Job that I really struggle with is not him, but that, <laughs> but that he sat, he just sat in it. Yeah. Like, and he didn't say anything and he didn't try to do anything and he didn't try to go anywhere. He just sat there. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I think it reminds me of just like the overwhelmingness that like you feel at the beginning of a season of a minute at times because sometimes it just all hits at one time. And I think for me, that was kind of how it was. I ignored it. I don't think Job ignored it. I think he was very much sitting in it. But I think for me, I, I sat there for a long time and just let my thoughts spiral. And I was just sitting there because I didn't have the words to say and I was still figuring out where I was. And so I think it is just interesting that like we all sit with it for a little bit. But also like I love the community that surrounds Job in that because I think it is so important because as I walked through my season of lament, I constantly had people 
sitting there with me. Lament is individual, but I also think it is very much communal because it is the people surrounding you that aren't in that season of Lament helping carry you through that, being that presence of God. So what scriptures have been helpful in these seasons? Well, my favorite person, I have Old Testament, New Testament, but my, of course, is um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord. And I think that was the main thing when Jenny was going through that, that just to trust him and know that he had it under control, even though we didn't seem to, that, that God was in control and to trust him. Um, there's a great song that we sang in, in the choir by Babby Mason, Trust His Heart. When you don't understand what's right. going on, just to trust. And so that verse is, has always meant a lot to me, but specifically when we were going through the trial with Jenny. I think for me, Psalm 30 is a big one. I also think the song that we sing in chapel choir my senior year, like that was my favorite song. And I think of like me and Evan in Ecuador and we would just be <laughs> dancing on the stage to that song because it is so true of like, he will turn my mourning into dancing. He'll turn my grief to joy, but also like he is in the pit with me and he walks down and pulls me up from that pit. Isaiah 45, seven, which says I form the light and create the darkness. He's in control of that darkness. He is there and he knows what's going on and he has a purpose for it whether we know it or not. And I think John 16, 33, in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That was that was Jenny's signature verse that she would put on everything. Really? Wow. Yes. Wow. I wonder if where you are today is right in the middle of a storm. Sorrow raining down in heavy sheets disappointments water so high they threaten to drown you. Can you turn to God this very minute in a prayer of lament? Corey Tim Boom, Holocaust survivor and faithful Christian, reminds us that we are not called to be burden bearers, but cross bearers and light bearers. We must cast our burden on the Lord. Today, everywhere you are, in every circumstance, Remember God's tender call from 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you.